here more often. This is awesome. Well, uh, yes, I'm Lisa Max. These are my kiddos. I'll let them introduce themselves in just a minute. But I just want to say thank you so much to Christian and to Sue. Thank you for the invitation. Thank you for the friendship. And I just want to just speak to you guys really quick and tell you this. How many of you can tell that the church is changing? Big hands. That God is shifting. The church will always be there. That's what God says. But he is shifting things back to the original design. And he has spoken to me. He's given me a word. And he said, it's only going to be the sons and the daughters that are going to be able to handle that conversation. This house is being led by sons and daughters. And you don't have to be a leader to be an influencer. And so part of my ministry and my thanks to you is actually to speak to the rest of you and tell you this morning when I woke up, I wake up quite early. And I, was, I put it, this thing in my phone because I was like, I want to cover them every day for the next 30 days. I want to give them the gift of prayer coverage for 30 days. And I wrote in my phone, I wrote CSP, which stands for Christian Sue Prayer. And when I wrote that, I was like, no, that's not C CSP. That's not how it goes. And all of a sudden, CPS came to my mind. I know CPS really well. CPS is child protective services. And all of a sudden, the Lord did this. You know how like, well, the Lord just does that in your spirit? And I'm, I'm giving this gift to them, but to the message to you. You don't have to be a leader to be an influencer. And that, that you don't have to be a, a, you can be a child and still impact your parents. Yes? No? And that I just encourage you to get out your phone and to put a CSP and a time in your phone that you would cover them every single day for the next 30 days. You want to change your church, you change your parents. You want to go after your church, you go after the ones that are leading. Who's, who's willing to commit to 30 days to praying for the mother and the father of this house? Whatever comes to your mind, pray for them in that area. And you influence your church by influencing those that are over it. So we are committed to praying for you guys for the next 30 days. I love the daughter that you are. I love how you lead. We have words over you that we'll just we'll release in private. These are from the kiddos. Um, but I, I have some words for you as well that I'll share later. So these are my babies. I'm, gonna, I'm blocking your way, aren't I? These are my forever babies. So go ahead and just start. Why don't you pick up the microphone and just say, why don't you say who you are, your age, and why don't you just, um, just leave it at that, just your name and your age. Hudson is 15, and you are? I'm Emma, and I'm also 15, and so are my twins. They're twins. They don't look like it, but trust me, they are. They are, they are twins. So I want to do something. Um, stand up if you are a grandparent. If you have grandchildren, I want you to stand up. Yeah, we love them. Absolutely. So stay standing. If you are in active parenting, which means you have children 18 and under, stay standing. 18 and under at your home, I want you guys to stand up as well. Okay. Yeah, we can clap for them too because they're like the heroes of the community. Now, stay standing. Stay standing. The rest of you, if you, if you have parents, 
If you have a mother or a father, I want you guys to stand up. Well, I hope that's everyone, except for the little ones. Okay, go ahead and sit down. What that means is this message today is for all of you. Let the Children Fly is a parent ministry. It's not a parenting ministry, but it is a parent ministry. And when you, when you say, let the children fly, the children are not the little ones. They are the big ones, because you are his children. And I just want to tell you that... Um, as I was just asking the Lord, what, did, what message did he have for you guys today? I love looking out and looking at you guys and the chandeliers. Like, this is like such a great environment. I love this. I love that this is church. But I was asking the Lord, what message do you have for your people in this community? And I wasn't getting a word. And I kept waiting, and I wasn't hearing, and I kept waiting. And two days ago, I just was sitting outside in the Pasadena sun where we just came from California, or Colorado. We just had a snowstorm. So we were loving this weather. And I was like, Lord, come on, time's ticking. I got to get up there. What do, you, what do you want me to share? And I heard the Lord say, I don't want you to do what you're supposed to do. I don't want you to do the message of ministry. I want to do something new. And I thought, so do I. I want you to do something new. And so the Lord gave me a very different message today, and I hope you guys are okay with new. Are you guys okay with that? I'll tell you this, if the Lord's on it, I want it. I don't care if it's new. I don't care if it's different. If he's on it, I want it. And so that's what we're going to do. Um, we are going to go after this morning, we're going to go after releasing words. We're going to go after the power of the testimony. God said, let there be light, and there was light. He was like the original clap on. You know that commercial? That clap on. <laughs> Does anybody know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Thank you. Every time I hear that, I'm like, yeah, there was like all darkness, and God said, let there be light. And I have to clap on. And I was like, anyways, nobody's following me that joke. That's okay. But Jesus said, be healed, and they were healed. Jesus said, Satan flee, and he fled. His words were so powerful. And so we're going to spend some time today going after testimony. And I want to share one testimony really quick with you. I was in a, um, I had an intentional drug overdose many years ago. I was found three days later, and the first officer on the scene said, oh, she's DOA, which means dead on arrival. And he literally went out to his car, the trunk of, a, of the um, police car, to go get the body bag. But you have to have two professionals giving that reading that somebody is past, you know, deceased. And the second officer came to the scene and said, no, I think I found a, a faint pulse. And they rushed me to the hospital where I spent three months. Clearly, I lived through that, right? Come on, praise Jesus. But I love, yeah, give him glory. I love that part of my story. I love that part of my story. I love that I got to meet the officer months later. And he told me in his own words, I thought you were gone. And I went to go get the body bag that your life was over in that moment. And I love that light and life always trump death and darkness. I love that light and life always trump death and darkness. And so I just want to invite you to be brave this morning. If you need a touch of the Lord, today's your day to get it. I want you to be brave. If you are encountering something, a relationship, a financial hardship, if you're encountering a problem or a conflict or something that just feels like it is dead, I want you to stand up. 
something that you are going through, it just feels heavy, and you're contending for breakthrough, you're contending for something, thank you for being brave, for God to shift something. It doesn't matter if it's a relationship, or if it's personal, or if it's for somebody else. Thank you. Come on, God is in the resurrection business. And we declare over you right now, put out your hands, we declare over you light and life over this situation in Jesus' name. It doesn't matter how dark it feels, how heavy it feels, how dead it feels. It doesn't matter if there's no pulse on that situation. That Jesus has already declared that there is life in it. And so we release that over you right now. Some of you just needed to be seen in this area, and you needed to have a wave of hope that you have permission to keep waiting for God to resurrect that heartbeat. In Jesus' name, we declare life and light over your situation. In Jesus' name. Somebody in this room needed to hear that so bad that you were almost at the point of, of admitting that it is dead or that it is gone. And God is saying, no, there's hope in Jesus' name. Go ahead and sit down. Ellie, you can come stand with me if you want. I call her my forever baby. She's going to be like 55, and I'm going to be like, here's my baby. She's my forever baby. But Ellie is, um, she's my fearless one. And I really don't think that her personality is any different than the other kids or that the calling on her life is any different. It's just that Ellie's been walking in the things of the kingdom the longest, or the earliest, I should say. So she was one when she found out who she was in Jesus where the other kids found out when they were four and five. There was definitely a before and after. But for Ellie, all she's known is the principles of the kingdom. And I'll tell you, that will change who you are when you find that out at such an early age. Communicating to our young children who they are and speaking that truth over them is a, is a life changer, right? And so um, do you remember when you were in the first grade? Do you remember your story there? Okay. Um, I'll share the story really quick, and then we'll unpack it really quick. Okay, so Ellie was in the first grade. We just had moved from California to, I'm sorry, Colorado to California. And she was um, probably in this new class, just maybe a couple of weeks, a couple of days. I don't remember what it was. But she came home one day, and she, um, she was so flustered. She was just really frustrated. And I said, well, what happened, baby? And she said, ah, oh, I had the worst day ever. And I said, oh, wow. And she said, my teacher was like red-faced, screaming at us all day. And I said, oh, I know your teacher. That doesn't sound like your teacher. And she said, no, we had a substitute teacher. And that teacher was partnering with fear and control and couldn't manage these children, the little first graders, and was just screaming at them all day. Can you imagine what that would feel like for a first grader to have a new adult walk into the room and just start releasing that when you're not used to it? And when she was telling me the story, I said, oh, Ellie, I said, I feel so much fear on that. You ever have that? Do you ever just feel like, wow, that's like, that's like a lot of fear on that. And she wrinkled up her nose, or I said, um, I, said, I, said uh, I feel a lot of fear on that. Um, did you feel the fear? She wrinkled up her nose, and she said, oh, well, I wouldn't let it. First grade. Do you remember that? Yeah. yeah? And so... Um, Tell me how you, tell us how you knew that that was fear. How did you know that that was fear from that teacher? Mm-hmm. 
-hmm. So when your peace leaves, it's probably not the right kingdom. Check your belly. Check your belly. If it's not in peace, it might not be God's kingdom. And that's what I've taught my children. And so what do you think would have happened if you would have sat there with this new adult that you've never met before, and she's in her authority, she's releasing all of this fear, what do you think would have happened if you would have partnered with it or come underneath it? Mm-hmm. Been very intimidated. She would have come home in a very different position. Can you guys hear her okay? I don't know if she's resigning back there. But anyways, but you knew how to stand against fear, didn't you? Right? And there's, there's fear is one thing, and then there's another thing when there's fear that's coming at you from a place of authority. So if you are walking through something right now with fear, either from, from authority of a person, authority of a system, authority in business, or whatever, and you want to break agreement with that fear over you, that fear that you're feeling, I want you to stand now. Be brave. I, I want you to stand right now. We're going to break this fear off. Anybody else? All you, the rest of you are just being really strong with fear. There you go. Come on. Come on. Be brave. Let God touch you today. Takes one word of the Lord to break it off. So I feel like some of you are managing fear as if it's normal. You're managing fear as if this is just part of your lot in life today. And as sons and daughters, it's not. It's not. Go ahead, babe. And we just, we just renounce the lie that the fear is coming within you. It's actually a fear coming on. It's a spirit of fear that comes on us to get us to think that it's actually in us. And I feel like even that is going to be a shift for people. Oh, I thought that was in me. It's actually on me. And if it's on me, then I have authority over it, and it's underneath my feet. In Jesus' name. I want to see a community that is so quick to discern the fear, like a first grader, that looks at the stranger of a teacher and says, nah, I'm not partnering with what you carry. I'm not coming underneath it. You might have authority in the classroom, but I have authority over my domain. And I say no to that. I want to see a community that walks in that collectively, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Good job. I'll tell you, you sit down. Come on, we are going to like be the church today. <clears throat> I, I got to tell you one of my favorite stories about Ellie. Um, she, we were at this um, prayer house, uh, uh, prayer room, soaking before the service, and I was really stressed about life and about everything going on. And I told the kids, "You guys just go sit with Jesus, and Mom's gonna go sit with Jesus over here for a little bit." And um, Ellie came and she tapped me on the shoulder and she said, "Mom," she said, "I have a word for you." And she was about four, four or five. And at that time, whenever she would hear the Lord to give me a word like that, it was like the mushy, gushy, Jesus loves you so much kind of a word. And so I was like, okay, what does Jesus want to say to me? And she goes, well, Mom, she said, I was sitting back there, and I, was, I saw you, and all of a sudden I heard Jesus say, um, tell your mom that I want my job back. 
that I was carrying the weight of the world and God wanted his job back. It's his job to carry the weight of the world. As some of you need to prophetically take the weight that's on your shoulders today and hand it back to the only one that can actually carry it. There's a difference between the burden and the desires and actually carrying a responsibility which is not ours to carry. Somebody needed to hear that today. Okay, Hudson, you gonna come with me? You are my boy who brings me Joy. all the time, 24-7. <laughs> We're working on that. No, he is my boy that brings me joy, and I've declared that over him since the day he was born. And Hudson is the one that God used the most to unfold. Uh, in the beginning, we had the most uh, testimonies, if you would, as far as God showing up, and that's what pushed me so far into my destiny. Come on, God wants to use the littlest of the children to push the moms and dads and the leaders into their destiny even further. Isn't that good that God can do that? We love that. So there was a particular story that I want to share with you with Hudson. We were getting ready to sell our house in Colorado and go out to California, and I had a lot to do. I'm homeschooling four kids. I've got to figure out where we're going to live in California. I've got to try to get my house ready. I've got to paint part of my house. I have to clean. I have to pack. I have to cook. I have to repeat. You know, come on. And I was getting really overwhelmed. And I should have just taken a break because sometimes it's really healthy for moms to take a break. And instead, I just kept pressing and pressing. And I said to Hudson, I said, I have to come down. He was five years old at the time. I said, I have to come down and paint the trim of your bedroom, because they were coming in to take pictures for the house. And did you clean your room? Because I didn't want to walk into his room and find little Legos everywhere and try to paint. Oh, yeah, I cleaned it, Mom. Oh, yeah, I cleaned it. I said, Hudson, I'm on my way down. Did you clean it? Oh, yeah, Mom, it's totally clean. I asked him three times. And I went down there, and not only did I find Legos everywhere, I found brand clean laundry stuffed in the strangest places. Like, it took him more work to put the laundry in those places than it did just away. And I came unglued. Now, I'm not going to ask you to, uh, to acknowledge if you've ever come unglued, I might be the only one. But I came unglued on him. And halfway through him getting all this pressure and all this stress that was pent up inside me from everything else, and halfway through my release, I heard Holy Spirit say, zip it. And you know it was Holy Spirit because I actually did zip it. And I went upstairs, and I just had my moment with Jesus. I had my little pity party, and I just had my, I'm overwhelmed, and I'm stressed. And I know enough about inner healing to know that I had just hurt my son's heart pretty good. And I went down to his room. Of course, now his room is perfectly all cleaned up and all the clothes are put away. And he, um, and, and he was fine. His demeanor was fine. It didn't match what I had just done and said to him, you know, what I just released over him. And I told him I was sorry. And he said, oh, Mom, that's okay. I said, no, 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 I'm really sorry. And I was crying. I was really repentant. And he goes, no, Mom, it's cool. It's good. We're good. And I'm thinking, oh, my word, I hurt this kid so bad. Now he's, like, afraid of me because he was, like, totally fine, you know, pretending to be fine. And I put my hand on his shoulders and I said, son, no, no person has a right to talk to you the way I just talked to you. And I am so sorry. And tears welled up in his little five-year-old eyes and he said, mom, you don't understand. What you said hurt me so bad. 
but you've taught me to ask Jesus and go to Jesus. And so when you were walking up the stairs, I asked Jesus what he thought, and Jesus said, don't listen to her. Anytime the father wants to trump me with my kids, he can do it. Anytime the father wants to come in and align them when I'm out of, out of alignment, I say yes to that. I feel like there are some of you in this room that have partnered with words spoken over you. And if that's you, I want you to stand up right now and let's break those words off of you. Words of condemnation, words of accusation, words from somebody that does not know who they are. If you also have been the one to release the words and you're carrying the weight or the shame of that, I want you to stand up as well. And standing up is just simply being brave and humble and vulnerable, but you know you can receive from the Lord without standing up as well. So just close your eyes, hold out your hands, and go ahead, honey. Break agreement with accusations and condemnation. I command that these be powerless to miss. To go in Jesus' name. You may not speak to me. Jesus name in Jesus name go ahead sit back down thank you buddy I do I feel like there's somebody that has been like me in that moment and released the vomit <laughs> of words and released it and you're carrying the weight of oh my goodness what have I just said or done and I just want to give you an invitation to encounter the father on your own you ask him how he sees you you ask him how he feels about you in that moment because when, when I was doing that, Jesus didn't just see my words that were not into an alignment with the kingdom. Jesus saw a little girl that was doing her best job and that was overwhelmed and was tired and was exhausted. He saw that girl too. So instead of just partnering with that condemnation, ask Jesus what he sees in you. It's a powerful word. Lauren, how come time goes by so fast when you're talking about Jesus? All right, my firstborn. So why don't you describe for us your personality? Um, put it short, I'm a person very set in my ways. I don't like schedules. I don't really like certain being interrupted. The worst thing I've ever done to this girl is I made her share a room with her baby sister. That was the worst thing I've ever done because her baby sister was, she's learned, she's grown a lot, but she was the messiest, sloppiest person there was. And to put her with Lauren, that was like the worst, the worst. Well, you've had to learn a lot over the years, haven't you? Because you are very set in your ways, and you like things done your way. And so you're, you are an amazing leader, but connection has not always been very easy for you, has it? Yeah. So why don't you give us an example of what you've learned, or what have you learned about conflict over the years with your siblings? 
So give me an example of if it's your issue. So in other words, if your sister um, did something the week before and you didn't fully work out that forgiveness and you're mad and you're offended and then she just looks at you wrong the next week, right, and that creates that conflict, it's really God is showing you, you actually need to help, like, let it go, like, like work that out in your heart. Give me an example of what it would look like if it was one of their issues. She, she asked me, she goes, can I say the word pester in church? I'm like, oh, they will understand what pester means. <laughs> uh, so I've learned over the years that that's his way of asking to connect. And so I've had, even though that's the last thing I want to do is connect with my brother who's pestering me, um, that's his way of asking to connect. And so I have that opportunity to be with more like Jesus and to um, build that connection with him. That's good. So I'm not going to make you stand because I know every single person in this room has had times of conflict with somebody simply because they're different than you. Every single person has conflict with somebody that is different than you. And either it's your opportunity to, or it's either it's their, um, I'm sorry, God is highlighting something in you that he wants to bring into an alignment or it is truly the other person's issue, and you get to grow in how to be more like Jesus. That's a good thing. So I just want Lauren just to pray over you and just do some ministry. Um, why don't you just have him call to mind? Okay, so uh, if you want to call to mind the recent event where Lauren and I were involved in conflict, um, and then once we back up, we can bring in some of that. So think of a recent time that you had conflict. Close your eyes. Think of a recent time that you had conflict and give thumbs up. Look how fast some of those thumbs come up. <laughs> Go ahead, Lord. Okay, so um, if you guys want to repeat after me, uh, Jesus, will you be willing to show me if this is my issue or their issue? I just thank you for making all things turn into good and for giving us this opportunity to become more like you in that area. Amen. Amen. Good job. Do you mind if I share the five-year-old story? Okay. So, Ellie, when she was five, I uh, took the older kids um, to a conference um, down in Denver, and I was gone for about three days. And when I came back, um, I got the younger kids home um, back around like 9 o'clock at night. And I could tell within five minutes that my Ellie was not okay. 
I didn't know if she just had too much sugar. I didn't know if she got her heart hurt. I didn't know if she just missed me too much. Like, I didn't know what it was. But I just could tell, as moms can tell, my child's not, they're not right. But I partner with Holy Spirit in my parenting, and I don't worry about it. Because I know that if there's something that has to come out, God will show me. It, just come, it will just eventually come out. I just wanted to be really sensitive to it. But within five minutes of these um, other people leaving, Ellie came to me and she said, Mom, we have to talk. I thought, oh, this one's coming out kind of quick. So I said, not a problem. Let's go back in my back bedroom and let's go talk. And as we started walking back by the bedroom, I heard the Lord say, your, your reaction is key. Your response is key. That's code word for she's about ready to drop a bomb and I better brace myself. And so I was like, okay. So we, she starts talking and she's crying so hard that I can barely understand her. And she says, Mom, earlier that day, uh, we were at a barbecue and all the adults were inside, probably about this far away, and all the children were outside playing. And somebody came to my five-year-old daughter and had exposed themselves and were very um, uh, aggressive with what my daughter was supposed to do. And I'm listening to the story, and I'm like, whoa, it's a good thing Holy Spirit told me my reaction is key because I'm feeling fire right now, and not of the good kinds. And I said, okay, baby, I said, you need, to do, you need to be really brave right now, and you need to walk me through exactly what happened. We'll take it all to Jesus, but that I need, I need you to get it out. I don't want you to keep any of that inside you. And she begins to tell me the details of how certain things were unfolding, how they went outside. And she stops, and I said, okay, babe, what happened then? She's five years old. Five years of age, they're still a baby. They're so little. Their brains aren't even fully developed yet. And she said, well, Mom, you always tell me that I'm supposed to go to Jesus when I need something. And so I stood there in the face of this, of this encounter with this person, and she said, I asked Jesus what to do. And I said, what happened next? And she said, I saw this picture in my mind of Jesus, like Jesus was mad with a finger up, and Jesus said, this is inappropriate. And I said, baby, then what did you do? And she said, so I put up my finger, and I said to the person, this is inappropriate. <laughs> now, I want you to hear this. Five years of age, their mind can't find a verse in that situation. Five years of age, she's not going to be able to figure out what mom's rules are. Five years of age, she needed a living Jesus to show up and give her a living answer, and that's exactly what he did. She needed a real person, not religion. Come on. I want you to close your eyes and put your hand on your heart. Jesus, what do you want me to know about this testimony?
told you earlier that I had a near-death experience. They rushed me to the hospital where I spent three months in a coma. I was not a believer at the time. I had a lot of encounters, and they did not include a bright light. And years later, or months later, when I got well and I, w I got out of the hospital, and um, I started unpacking some of my life, some of the pain. I accepted Christ on my hospital bed, so my life did kind of like a 180 at that moment. And I started unpacking some of it with a mentor, and she said, I think we should go there to your near-death experience, and we should look at some of that stuff. And she was asking, where was Jesus at that time? And this religious spirit came over me like I have never been more offended and upset with somebody. And I said, how dare you assume that the holy God of the universe was in my darkest hour. That he is so, so peaceful and so full of life and so perfect and so holy and so sacred. And you're saying that he was there when I was at my worst moment? It just violated every religious thing I've ever been taught about God. That there was a line drawn. He was on the holy side, and I was on this other dark, dirty side. And she showed me Romans 8, 5 that says, well, God, was, um, uh, God sent Jesus while we were still yet sinners. Yes, Jesus was there in your darkest hour. Yes, Jesus was there even when you were unbelievers. Yes, Jesus was there by God's design. And I feel like there are some of you in this room that are holding on to memories because you're believing the lie that God wasn't there. And we have got to reconcile some of that stuff. He was there, and you can ask him, where were you? This is an invitation for you to encounter him on your way out the door and in privacy at home. Church isn't just Sunday mornings. Take this question, if this is bearing witness to you, take this question in your back pocket and unpack it in your quiet time with him. If you want to know where he was and part of your life story, he's big enough to answer the question. It doesn't change reality, but it changes perspective. We need to be asking Jesus where he was in some of that. You guys good? Come on. This is, this is what church looks like sometimes. Emma. Something significant happened to you this last fall. What was that? Um, so when we recently moved back from California to Colorado, um, we were doing online school, and I had a teacher who wanted us to read this book that was just really, like, sexual. It was full of uh, pedophilia. There was a lot of, like, witchcraft and cursing people. And um, I just didn't have a peace about reading it and feeling filling my mind with that kind of Yeah, that's good. That's good. 
It was such a powerful testimony that different churches began to hear about it. And she literally just went to these different churches for a couple of weeks, sharing about that and empowering the teens to rise up and to use their voice. But this is what I want you to hear. It hasn't always been that way, has it? No. no. So tell, just give us a little story about your voice. What does it look like when Emma's not using her voice? Um, I say the right thing with a smile on my face that pleases my husband. Wow. And if I can just be really honest, I'll tell you, it stuns me to the moon. Because I wear all my emotions right on my sleeve. And I don't fake it, I don't pretend, I don't act, almost to a fault. And yet here I have a daughter who is trying to communicate one thing, but her words are communicating another thing. And over the years, we've had to really attack it and go after it. This, this, she's 16, she's almost 17. We've been going after this her whole life. So for her to have this story of she used her voice in school and she changed the dynamic there is a, such a powerful God story because she's had a fight to, to get her voice back. Um, um, oh, but the Lord said, go after it as if she's lying that I would never allow her to lie to a sibling or lie to me or lie to somebody in authority, but then why does she get to lie to herself? Why, when her mind says this, why does her heart really want this? God cares about both. He wants your mind to be in alignment and to be right and to be, full, to, to be in alignment with Scripture and to be clear and accurate, but he lives out of your desires, and he wants those two to become one. So to cut this off and just live from here is not the full expression and the full capacity that God has made us to live out of. So it has been a journey back for you, absolutely. Um, you want to go do prayer, or you want to do ministry on that? Okay. Can anybody relate to that? Can anybody relate to your... For this one, I want you to stand up. Because these are the people that have something to say. These are the people that the enemy has attacked to silence. These are the people that need to come back into the body of Christ with a voice that is loud and clear. These are the people that need to be mothered and fathered in that voice. I believe there are seeds, great seeds, in those people that are standing up right now. And it has been attacked greatly. Go ahead, baby. broken in Jesus' name.
are yet over, but they have so much to say and so much to walk out that um, to just silence it and stop right now is not enough. And I pray, Lord, that um, as the days pass and as the years come, that they would just grow, strong, grow stronger in using their voice and that they would become so quick to use, um, that they would learn how to use it and that it would become familiar again. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Keep standing. I just want to say as a spiritual mother, I just want to stand in the gap, and I just want to say I'm sorry that whoever spoke those words over you, directly or indirectly, from a place of not knowing who they are so that they could teach you who you are. And I just want to say there's no such thing as stealing your voice. Nobody can steal it. There's no such thing of it, of it, of it getting taken away. It just was laid down. So Holy Spirit, I ask that you come now and you turn that dial back up on whatever degree of volume that you want it to be. I ask, Holy Spirit, that you come as a good parent and you teach them how to step out and be brave and use their voice again. You are needed in the body of Christ. You are needed in your families. You are needed in the world around you with the things that God has put inside you. In Jesus' name, amen. And lastly, I want to share this with you. <clears throat> um, we were a homeschool family before we moved out to California originally. And um, I was uh, homeschooling the kiddos one day, and I was really stressed. I was just feeling the weight of the world on me and um, managing. We had just become a single family at the time, and so just all the different dynamics with that. And I called recess. And I said, you all need to go to your room for a little bit and just play, do whatever. Mommy needs to go have a date with Jesus. And when mommy says, I need to have a date with Jesus, what does that mean? <laughs> it would go very well with them to let me have a date with Jesus. It means mom's not in a good place, right? And so I, was, I got them all situated. I was sitting down in my chair, and um, I'm ready to encounter the Lord. And the Lord said, Lisa, do you know what you need? Oh, come on. When Jesus says that over you, it doesn't matter what he's going to say. Just the fact that he knows you that much. I'm like, oh, you love me. This is what I need. Not homeschool. Not sitting with four kids and trying to teach them. I need Jesus. And you know exactly what I need. And it just was feeling so good in that moment. And he said, he said Lisa, he said, you need joy. I'm like, oh, you, I do. You love me and you know me so well. I feel parched of joy right now. And he said, well, I gave you four bundles of them, and you just pushed them all away. I thought, oh, no, you don't. No, 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 you don't. No, 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 no. But when you're coming to go spend time in his presence, because you know that he's your answer, and you know that he carries what you need, and he tells you that you need something that your children carry, that's where you go. And I called all my kids back to the homeschool room, and we play, pulled out like Candyland or something. Come on, Candyland just doesn't feel like it's going to cut it when you're that stressed out. And we started playing, and I did it just purely out of obedience. And it felt like molasses for me. And one of my kids said, Mom, it just seems like you don't really want to play. And I said, oh, baby, I said, this has nothing to do with you. This isn't personal. My heart is just so heavy. 
and I said something really weird. I said something like, I just need, heaven to, I need heaven's joy to come down. Now today I might have a bigger grid for that, but back then I didn't. And before I knew it, my son, who was five years old, broke our household rules and stood on his furniture and put his hands to the air, and he said, Joy, come now, in this pulling down, chanting thing and splashing it on me. <laughs> and I'm annoyed. And this isn't funny. And playing Candyland was a stretch enough. And now you're going to be childlike, child, full of childlikeness, and you're going to be disobeying my household rules that we don't stand on furniture? And before I could rebuke him because it was right there, another child gets up and joins him and says, uh, Joy, come now. And they splash it on me. And I am not thinking this is very cute and funny. And I am ready to be a mother with the wrong kind of authority. And a third child gets up and joins them and says, heaven or joy, come now, and splashes it on me. Jesus doesn't stand on furniture, and neither do we. And you are violating my household rules, and that's all I could see. Come on. And a fourth child gets up, and I have four kids pulling on heaven's joy and splashing it on me. And before I could say anything, I heard the Lord say, now you get up. And what I wanted to say is over my death, <laughs> no way am I doing that. And somehow, some way, these feet ended up on my chair that we don't stand on, that we don't do, and I'm breaking my own household rules. And I'm standing on this furniture, and I barely put my hands up. And this thing hit me in my gut. Like a, somebody hit me like a baseball bat. Twack. And I doubled over and I'm laughing and laughing and laughing to the point where I am peeing my pants. Like I am <laughs> laughing so hard. Three days later, my stomach, my ab muscles hurt like I had done the greatest workout ever. And it lasted for 15 minutes. And my whole family is standing on the furniture laughing like we have never laughed before. Like I said, I have a much greater grid for that today, but back then I, I thought we were crazy. I, I, I had no grid for it. And my mind didn't understand what happened, but this I know. Jesus told me I needed joy, and he told me that my children were the carriers of it. And joy through laughter came and transformed something so deep within me that I was so aware when I walked out of that room that shortly after that, that something had shifted and broke off of me that I had been carrying around for months. When the Bible says that laughter is medicine, he's kind of not kidding. That when you partner with joy, you release the chemical in your brain that gives you the will to fight and endure hard things. If you are a son and a daughter, then the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. And that means joy should be in your homes, in your marriage, in your parenting. It should be your daily dose. Because we are going through hard times right now. And we will continue to go through hard times. 
and God has given you a built-in solution called joy. And so I'm not really sure what he's going to do right now, but if, uh, if you need more joy, then I'm going to invite you to stand up, and I really hope that that would be everyone. Come with me. All right, Hudson, you're going to start this. He's so excited. You want to turn it off? I don't care. You can hold on to it. All right. If the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy, that means I don't have to make anything up. That means I don't have to, like, go beg for it. It means that I don't have to, like, conjure it up, right? It means that it's the kingdom of God, and it's available to all of us as sons and daughters. So for me, it started with, with Hudson pulling down heaven and saying, joy, come now. And I want you to repeat after me and say it with me. Joy, come now. Joy, come now. Joy, come now. I want you to close your eyes, and I want you to pull down joy in your atmosphere. Joy, come now. Joy, come now. Joy, come now. Joy, come now. Holy Spirit, increase joy. Increase the joy that transforms. Increase the joy that is the kingdom of God. Give us creative ways to go after joy. That joy is the kingdom. Joy is your presence. Some of you have been so good this last year at being unjoyful because you're being so serious and managing the world. And I'm pulling you back into joy. Childlike joy, childlike joy, childlike joy in Jesus' name.